Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Good. I guess. The Oilers lost 5-1 to Vegas. Big, big game three. Um, and uh, the 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 number that the, uh, the the two words I'm seeing from Oilers fans describing the Oilers game tonight, Bruce. I've seen I've probably seen it ten times if I've seen it once on Twitter. Is hot garbage. That uh-huh. is the consensus opinion of the Edmonton Oilers tonight. Hot garbage, and uh, it's fair enough, I think. All right, two good things. Two bad things and two numbers, and because and because the game was a big game and it was hot garbage, I I would argue we will go with two bad things each. Bruce, what's your good thing? Yeah, my good thing is after uh, uh, one sequence after the second Oilers penalty, which came to Warren Fogle for high sticking uh, in the offensive zone, and this was maybe the best five on six I've ever seen. Uh, where Vegas had the puck in their own end for about 20 seconds. And uh, first of all, uh, who was it who came first? Uh, uh, Ryan? Ryan came first and threw a hit on a guy, and Vegas cycled the puck around. Then Fogel came and, and hit a guy. And then it was still in their zone. And then McLeod came and hit a guy. And then McLeod came and hit another guy, and they were all like, you know, decent hits. And they were, you know, Vegas had the puck, and the owners weren't. Well, let's try and grab that puck and get the whistles. No, let's let's go out there and and live it up on the uh, on the forecheck. And then Broberg got a hit before the sequence was done. So the owners got five hits while Vegas had the puck during the uh, wasn't even that extended of a six on five. And I just thought it was kind of fun that they were just going wham, 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 wham. And they had sequences like that in the first period as well as this game. And in fact, Edmonton had 50 hits to 25 for Vegas in this game. So you want people want to say Edmonton got pushed around in this game. I would say that's probably not the case. Uh, they got beat and they got roundly beat, soundly beat, uh, but they did not get pushed around and they, uh, uh, they they uh, were bringing the physical game at least till the third period. And the third period was hot garbage. It was barely fit to watch. The they didn't get pushed around, and and some of Vegas's um, hits were penalties. They were obvious penalties, and we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. So uh, of course, you know, complaining about the refs is for losers. But the orders did mm-hmm. lose tonight, so yeah, we're losers still tonight. It. Might as well complain about the refs. <laughs> well, there was a few key calls, right? Like a few really significant calls. Yeah, I'll get calls. to those. Yeah. My bad thing. Or no, it's my good oh. thing. Well, yeah, my good thing, good Bruce, thing. Uh, yeah. I wrote a post today about the, uh, he is the Oilers' smartest player and he just keeps getting better. And that is Derek Ryan. And he was one of the few Oilers tonight who I thought had a, a, a passable game, a good game, actually. Um, his line was actually not that bad, him and um, Fogel and McLeod. And the first goal got the Oilers rolling. It just felt like, you know, here we go. And um, just a fantastic play, stretch pass from Ryan McLeod. Um, up to Ryan, breaks down the wing, puts it on hard at the net, and Fogel goes hard to the net and jams it past Laurent Brassois. It was a fantastic, uh, greasy goal by the third line, exactly the way you'd like to start the game. 
they played well the rest of the game. Um, not many problems uh, that I recall off the top of my head when they are on the ice, but that that goal is typifying the kind of effort that Derek Ryan is giving in these playoffs. And the most interesting stat, like to sh- to show his um, that he's a s- sharp guy, is you will never, you won't find Derek Ryan stay overstaying his welcome on the on the ice, Bruce, or um, causing a, a a grade A shot against with a bad line change. And I told him total it up. And um, the two leaders in the, for the um, past two seasons uh, for um, grade A b- bad line changes that lead to grade A shots against were uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Leon Dreisaitl with seven each. These are both really smart hockey players, obviously, but they get a little offensive focus now and then. I think Derek Ryan doesn't have that luxury. Of course, he can't be uh, coasting off the ice when the other team's heading up ice, and he doesn't. He hasn't not once since he's came to the Oilers has he been caught out on a bad line change that has led to a grade A shot against. And uh, most of the other Oilers have three or four or five of them. And and, and again, Dreisel and Nuge with seven each. So he he he's such a, uh, you know, he, he can still win a face-off. He's a great, um, uh, he's okay on the penalty kill still. He's really strong defensively at even strength. He's just always in position. And again, he doesn't, score a lot he doesn't put up a lot of points this is i think his second point of the playoffs but he does so many good things that um he uh is he has become a difference maker for the oilers in these playoffs and his line has really come together and and they they held up their end of the bargain tonight yeah he's strong that line has been pretty strong i think throughout the playoffs Vogel, mcleod and uh, ryan and they've played together quite a lot and tonight, they haven't hardly scored any goals, and they hardly had any scored against them. Tonight, there was one of each while they were out there. So I think they all wound up uh, uh, even on the night. I'm just uh, checking that as, yeah, all three were even. And there was one, two, three, four, five Oilers who were even, and one who was plus one in this game, Philip Broberg. Oh, he's got the he magic sneaks, touch. Sneaks in there. Uh, Fogel did make a mistake tonight on the goal against, and we're, we're going to get to that because yeah. it was a fairly major mistake that he was involved yeah. in as well. Yeah. All right, Bruce, um, we are on. Uh, there's not a whole other lot of good things to talk about. In this game, Bruce, the Oilers, the grade A shots were um, Vegas with 19, the Oilers with 14. But even more telling, the subset of five alarm shots. Grade A shots go in 25% on average. Mm-hmm. Five Which alarm shots. Five alarm, yeah. and it's five alarm shots are a subset of that, and right. they go in 33% of the time. So, um, yeah, if the grade A shots, if you subtract the five alarm subset, they go in about 20% of the time. So there's a huge difference between, you know, your, just what's considered a grade A shot and then a five alarm shot under our system. And that was was, um, nine to four for Vegas, nine to four. And all of the Vegas, um, Vegas uh, five alarm shots were at even strength. So this was a total route, this game at even strength and um, not good. What is, what's your. My first bad thing is actually, well, it's one, one long shift in the first period because the Two bad things happened maybe 60 or 75 seconds apart. Uh, And that was two, what I saw as very possible injuries to Oilers. Uh, One, I think 
almost everyone saw was Zach Kaiman coming down the wing and and uh, Nicholas Haig sticking stepping up to him with the legs spread wide. And to me, it didn't look quite like knee on knee. It looked more like thigh on thigh. And uh, Hyman went down hard and he struggled to get up to his feet. And then he kept in the play and then he almost fell down before he went to the bench. And I thought, uh oh, you know, and then he toughed it out and he came back out there for a subsequent shift and stayed out there even through the third period, which kind of surprised me. But uh, I think maybe Charlie Horse there, he was he was struggling with his uh with his skating stride, I thought, thereafter. And then about at, at the end of that fairly long sequence, there was a play where uh, Evan Bouchard went behind his own net to collect the puck, and he got creamed from behind by uh, Howden. Howden, uh, yeah. Scott, uh, Brett Howden of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of Vegas. And he basically smacked his face right against the glass. And Howden came away with the puck, and Boosh was kind of like, you know, in the corner. And I was sort of saying, what are you doing, Boosh? Get on him, get on him. And then when I watched the replay, I oh, I know what you're doing. You're trying to get the cobwebs out because you just got gonged. And from that moment, uh, basically through the rest of the game, Bouchard had a pretty tough night uh, defensively and even offensively where, you know, a couple times he started thinking, well, maybe it's that wasn't a, quite the right decision. I just think he got his bell rung a little bit, and I hope it's just a little bit because he's been such a huge player for Edmonton in these playoffs. And Hyman, who had such a great game last game, you know, I mean, that certainly took him off his stride, so to speak. And and uh, uh, to, they didn't lose either guy, but I think both guys got banged up on the same play. And uh, at the time, the score was one-to-one, and the game had been... I think, if anything, a little bit positive for the Oilers, but Vegas took it over around that time, and they started throwing their weight around and and uh, with uh, impunity. And uh, that play had a couple of casualties, so that was a bad thing, and we'll we'll see in the longer run how bad of a thing. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Hyman was was uh, was you know he might he might be able to play next game, but he might not be 100% for a while. Wouldn't be surprised if the Oilers go with four lines next game. Um, and maybe Hyman's not in the game at all, and it's Holloway and Shore or something like that. Um, Haig's, Haig um, had his legs very wide mm-hmm. on that play. Yep. And um, someone has their legs that wide, I think that's a penalty. Um, that's a dangerous play. But Where's the guy that, supposed was, to go? It, it it was it was a very fast develop like those are often pretty hard to call the one on um the, he um howden cross-checked evan bouchard cross-checked him right in the back right through the numbers driving his head into the boards glass but yes. that is an absolutely amateur hour that is a that is a shameful thing for a referee to miss he was looking looking right at it there's no there's not a, this is an easy call to make in the nhl mm-hmm. It breaks a number of rules, including, you know, rules around the, around the whole concept of calling penalties is to keep people safe playing the game. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's fair play, mm-hmm. but it it's, has this other purpose of keeping people safe. And that was just a reckless, dirty play. And for the referee to miss, that was shameful. That was a shameful mistake on his part. And um, I don't know who the refs were, but... Um, they were Jean Hebert and Kyle Riemann. The one on Yamamoto. They had a tough game. 
the one on Yamamoto that people had were up in arms about was very fast. And um, you could see them maybe missing that one um, because it was so fast. But there's no missing someone getting pitched fork into the into the end boards from behind through the numbers with the cross check. So Especially when he comes off the glass and he's shaking his head and he's kind of, you know, while the play carries on. I mean, sometimes you can tell by how the player reacts as to how he's been hit. And we'll get into that Yamamoto one in a minute. I'd love to hear their explanation for not calling that penalty. On you the never will, David. The NHL referees have no, uh, there's no relationship with the fans at all. Nobody ever speaks on their behalf. No one ever comes out and says, uh, you know, we we screwed up this call and, and this is what happened. And, you know, there's never any feedback loop. It's just all the fans getting mad. And the only feedback you ever get is some coach finally loses his shit on the ref and the next thing you hear is that the that the uh league has fined the guy twenty five thousand dollars and uh yeah i was going to say it enriches the league but i actually think it goes into some funder or other swear jar or something and and uh, uh but it's you hear about the consequences to the coach or occasionally even to the player who calls out the referees, but there's never nothing. There's never anything coming from the league saying, you know, we missed a really bad one there and we're sorry. We're not going to make it up because we don't do makeup calls in this league. No, never. But uh, we do admit we missed a call. It would be nice sometimes. You know, it, I, I can just see the Vegas GM was a pretty aggressive guy getting on the phone after the last game because mm-hmm. there, well, there probably were some stuff some yeah and there might have been some marginal calls against Vegas like in the balance of things the Oilers probably got the balance of the refereeing there in that game and um, just bitterly complaining to the the NHL and you know maybe a discussion with the refs well it's got to mm-hmm. just make sure it's like a you know they're, they're in a scoring chance position before you call a penalty on the orders or uh, you know on um, Vegas this time and because Otherwise, there's no. It's just a penalty every time. It's yeah, you can watch yeah, it all definitely. season long, that all definitely. season long, Bruce. That was a penalty. How can mm-hmm. not that not? It's you know a first period. It's because they're so hyper about the Oilers' mm-hmm. power play, and they just won't give any. They just seemingly made up their mind not to call obvious penalties tonight. Very frustrating. What is your? That's my bad thing. I was just really your bad thing. Yep. I'm going to actually get three because I. Hammered the refs on that one. Oh, okay. um, Bruce, um, all that said, Vegas won tonight's game, I think, because they were the hungrier team. And you could sure see that hunger on their first goal and throughout. You know, Kevin Bieksa made the point um, after the game. And I think Kevin Bieksa is the best analyst by far uh, um, in the NHL right now. Like, we don't get Ray Ferraro anymore. But uh, Bieksa has that kind of Ferraro-level understanding of the game that even a lot of players don't have, or at least they can't articulate it. He can. He he really understands when goals against happen, who screws up. And um, he just made the point that of four of the five goals were pretty nothing plays and and five-on-five five plays, and the Oilers just couldn't defend basic five-on-five five plays. Uh, there was only one that was a two-on-one rush, and the other ones were just... Just that the Oilers couldn't execute fundamental defense out of non-threatening situations, five on five. And um, it came down to both fundamental play, but also what I would call hunger. And um, uh, on the first goal, Marcia gets the puck. Um, it's kind of bouncing around a little bit 
bounces high in the air off CC's stick, and then CC fights for the puck, and he loses the puck. Goes to Marsha who who puts it at the net, and Skinner kind of punts out a bit of a bad rebound. I thought he's he, this is one thing I've noticed with him. He's a little tentative on when the puck comes harder than like just smothering that puck or getting quickly on top of it or batting it out. Anyway, he just put it out a little bit and Marshall show jumped on it. But um, Nick Bugstad, that was his man. And he just got on the wrong side of it. He, he just Mm -hmm. was not boxing him out. He was, he was in one place and his check was in another place. He was missing Mm -hmm. in action, wandering in the red light zone, not covering anyone, not covering a passing lane. And Marshall, so instead of getting blocked from going to the net or, hammered to the ice on the rebound play. He's getting the rebound and he's putting it in the net. And it's because he was hungrier in that moment to score that goal than Nick Bugstadt was to defend that goal. And I, we, I think we saw this repeatedly tonight. There mm-hmm. were, the Vegas mm-hmm. was more desperate for the win. Mm-hmm. They just were, I think they were somewhat humiliated in the last yes. game. Like the, the, coach call, the coach called him out too. Yeah. And they responded like it wasn't, it wasn't mm-hmm. one of those situations where they give up on the coach or there's, you know, you know, oh. like, they must have felt it. They he felt didn't it say they needed 18 heart transplants, David. He did not. <laughs> and there was an NHL coach this year. There was a couple like Bruce Boudreau. There's a couple that were pretty bad in, in that regard. Uh, um, what's his name in Winnipeg after Rick they lost Bonus. too? Bonus, yeah. So, so um, yeah, it was, I just saw that as, as a, like the Hunger Games and the Oilers lost it tonight um, on mm-hmm. that play and on others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My son came up to me afterward. I, like, I, I was watching it and I said to my wife, uh, as I'm prone to do, it was a, you know, it was a down low three on three, and and uh, <clears throat> Bukestad couldn't contain his man. I thought Nurse had his man, uh, which was yep. Barbershev. Uh, also, like all three, all six of them were right around the blue paint, and Nurse had his man, but uh, um, and Cece was trying to protect against Eichel, who took the original shot, and then Marchessault slipped through Bukestad. I managed to get a stick on the rebound and tap it in. And Kevin came upstairs and said, you know, Twitter's just losing it on Nurse after that. Nurse? Yeah, and I'm going, well, maybe so, because they lose it on Nurse quite a lot. But to me, he had his man, and, you know, it was Bukestad. And I'm a Bukestad fan. I'm constantly complimenting him here. But he had a tough, especially first period tonight. And uh, on that play, he got beat. It just makes my head hurt that people are blaming Nurse on that one. There's... He's a little over his head, Bukestad, at 2C. They had to move yeah. him up there. And, to, I mean, plays like that. Uh, and you've got, uh, you know, uh, Vegas with their first line out there of Eichel and uh, um, Archisov and Barbashev. And they just were able to, you know, beat Edmonton to the puck. And it was Bukestad who who got beat. I, I, got, I got nothing against his effort, but he did get beat on that play for sure. I, I, this is one of my, if I have a, any complaint about Jay Woodcroft at this point, it's the, I don't know, he does have a third line, but you'd like to have the third line you could put out there against their best line. And mm-hmm. I know that doesn't happen so much in the NHL anymore, right. um, where you have that third line, but if you can mm-hmm. develop that, like it's such an advantage to your team. Like if you could put out, and I think they could, I don't know, Ryan McLeod has struggled now and then on defense. Um, so I'm not sure he'd be any better than Nick Bugstad, but Fogel and Ryan can certainly get it done. And, you know, I just wish they had developed that line somewhere along the the, the way this season so they could have that that option of going mm-hmm. with those guys at home against mm-hmm. the other team's top line and just nullify them, just play them to a stalemate. But they they don't seem to have that. And well, one, uh, one, one thing I didn't see for coming was uh, 
I mean, usually Edmonton has the three top six centers, right? Um, McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins. And always one of them plays. Every once in a while, they go one, two, three at center. And you've got one of them, Nuge, playing ball yeah. six. But most nights, almost every night, you have uh, two of them playing center and one playing wing, either Dreisaitl or Nuge. Uh, on the wing. Well, right now they've got it set up that neither Dry nor Nuge is playing center. They're both yeah. on the wing. They got McDavid at 1C, and now they got Bukestad at 2C. And I'm not at all convinced he's the best choice. And maybe they like his defensive play and they think he's strong enough defensively. They're using him on the PK a lot. And, you know, he does obviously has his uses, uh, face offs and such in the, in the D zone. It's been a strength. But, uh, uh, 2C is a tall order. 3C is a tall enough order for a $400,000 player. Yeah. <clears throat> As for blaming Nurse on that first goal against, I mean, he totally had his man tied up. And and it's not like there's any wiggle room in front of the net. It's man on man, and mm-hmm. it's a battle. And you've got to cover your man. You can't mm-hmm. really worry about the other yeah. guys because it's... If you if you leave your man, he's the one who's going to score. So to blame yeah. Nurse, who had it covered off, it is not his fault. It's Nick Bugstad who's what, like as we say, as I just said, wandering around in the red light zone. Like, what? Who was he covering? You know, that's what I would ask. What was his job? Ask those people who are blaming Nurse. Now we're going to blame Nurse shortly. Yeah, sure. Yeah, he does make his mistakes following the wrong guy, but I don't think it happened on that particular goal. Yeah. Uh, so my yeah. second bad thing is the second. Uh, Vegas goal, uh, and this was the decisive, turned out to be the game winner in the last minute of the first period, and this really was an uh, injury and insult type of goal, and the injury, of course, is the actual goal. That's what really hurts. The insult was the high stick from uh, uh, Eichel checking uh, Yamamoto at the far end, 190 feet from where the goal would ultimately be scored, uh, but it was a, I thought, as a real shiver me timbers high stick. Like uh, uh, he played the body, and the stick came up and just bang, and just straightened up Yamamoto like yeah. right, like it hit his, hit him in the face, it hit him in the shield, and it, it, you know it just sort of stopped him in his tracks, and he was shaking his head there. He reacted as Bouchard had. He acted exactly like a guy just unexpectedly struck in the head. Hey refs. Maybe something happened. Maybe that guy just got unexpectedly struck in the head. Maybe. Anyway, I, I don't want to crap on the refs here because it's just part of it. Uh, but this was part of a pretty big play. And what happened if you roll the tapes, Howie, roll the tape about one second after Yamamoto gets smacked like that, uh, Bukestad gets cross-checked down to the ice, also behind the Vegas net. Now we've got two guys down, or at least it's somewhat disabled, 200 feet away from where the puck's going. And the puck goes up the ice, and eventually it is, in fact, Jack Eichel who uh, sets up the goal to uh, march or so again. Uh, but it is Eichel who's got the puck, and it is Yamamoto who's sort of trailing the play about 15 feet behind Eichel, having taken a second or two to recover his senses and even after they score Yamamoto's like feeling his face they zero in on him his eyes are watering I mean is he crying because he gave up a goal or maybe he got took a sudden unexpected blow to the head I'm thinking probably the latter and so I was I was I was mildly upset with the stripes at that moment and because that had been like I saw three dirty hits uh, that, that at least shook up Hyman Bouchard 
and Yamamoto all in the first period. Nothing got called. Evander Kane saw it too. He took a silly run at uh, Petrangelo, and that did get called. And that was that was not a good penalty by Kane. But I can kind of understand his frustration at that moment. And all that said, I'm not I'm not blaming the refs for the loss because. Vegas took over this game in the second period, mostly at five on five, and they dominated. And they won this second period like the Oilers won the first period the other night. And they won this game like the Oilers won that game the other night. Better team won. First, they had it, it was in the end of the um, first period that they take over, actually. Like the mm-hmm. last five grade A shots yes. of the first period are all after those Vegas hits. Shots. <laughs> yeah, after Brassois goes out, I think. It's, um, yeah. yeah. On, on it's funny because it looks like it's going to be an odd man rush on that goal. It does turn out to be a um, kind of a two on two situation down low as it all breaks down. Unfortunately, it isolates Jack Eichel on right Nugent Hopkins, and Nugent Hopkins Hopkins just gets deked out of his uh, hockey pants on that one. Like Eichel just um, freezes him and goes around him and whips the puck over. And then, and again, I was talking about the hunger. Nurse is slow to cover Marshall going to the net. And um, he is kind of tripped up. It's a fast play. It's a difficult play. Like these things happen very fast. But the the Vegas attacker got there first. You know, nope. he was he was the one who got there first. Darnell Nurse didn't, ha- didn't have it. Like he wasn't in the right spot to block his body from even getting there. And that was just Marshall just being so much more aggressive going to the net, hungry for that goal, and it paid off with him scoring. So, um, you know, Nugent Hopkins and Nurse are veteran hockey players. If the Oilers are going to win the Stanley Cup this year, the veterans have to got to play better defense than that. And uh, they won't win it if that doesn't happen. Which brings me to my uh, my own second bad thing, Bruce. Um, and and um, it's... This is the the third goal where uh, Zach Whitecloud. The game's still close here. It's anyone's game, and it's uh, twelve Until this moment, <laughs> eight minutes into the third, second, and it's into the second. Oh. And Nurse made a play that just drove me crazy. A little, and in retrospect, a little less. Um, I heard. Uh, I went back and listened to what the you know the people more expert on hockey than me, like the panel panel was saying, because I, I I really do respect BXA and Dallas Akins. And Akins was saying it was a failure of communication. Essentially, the puck comes out toward, it's in the offensive end, or the, the Oilers' defensive end, and the Oilers are defending. It's five-man versus five-man hockey. And um, the puck comes out towards the uh, the point, and Nurse is on his guy. And Fogel's out there covering the defenseman. And um, the, the, the puck comes back to the point, and then he makes kind of a back pass, and the defenseman um, is able to go down the wing. And both Fogel and Nurse are caught up high. Nurse mm-hmm. is right outside of the Oilers' zone as White Cloud starts his, his rush. He's like 10,000 miles from where he needs to be to stop uh, White Cloud. Now, mm-hmm. Akins was saying there's a failure of communication here. I'm, I guess someone, Nurse, probably should have yelled, switch. If he's yeah. intending to follow his man right out there, I think it's incumbent on him as the person who's going to be tracking outside the zone, yell, switch as loud as he can. Or Fogel can notice it and and then switch over and cover and cover off uh, White Cloud. What happens is they get tangled up together and and they and White Cloud has a clear lane right to the net. But Bruce, I just think Nurse, he can't. He's just 
it's another situation where they're not scoring from out there. They are in no danger of scoring from out there. There's just no danger. Why are you pursuing a player that high up? Like, even if, even, you know, maybe Fogel could have switched and saved the day, but that kind of aggression on defense, rather than just at some point saying, okay, he's he's headed back to his own zone. Like, I'm not going to track him out of my own zone. I'm just going to back off right now and cover my own defensive position, hold the fort, hold the front. And I don't know what the, his instructions are in that situation. Like what, what the coaches, like maybe the coaches say, stick with your man, like strict one-on-one. But I think it's kind of a one-on-one zone. And if a guy's flying right out there, just hold back a bit, stay in your position. And mm-hmm. if he had done that, there's no goal. Or if Fogel had switched, there's no goal. But a switch is a kind of a complicated play in hockey. Like well, that has to happen fast. Is it a switch though, if Nurse stays with his man that he expects um, Fogel to stay with his man who is White Cloud? Uh, or is it a switch because they're switching off zones that they're covering? Like I, the lingo, sometimes I'm not quite sure which they use. Anyway, there was a, a lack of communication. Uh, I think Fogel got uh, legitimately and legally picked on that play because the path of Nurse and was it Amadio? Was that the guy he was chasing? Yeah, or Riley know. Smith was one of them guys. And uh, But he chased him high in the zone and then even higher. And as you say, literally his skates went out of the defensive zone as White Cloud gathered up the puck. And now, because uh, Fogel's been picked, uh, and he's scrambling, but he's taken the bad route to White Cloud, and he's behind him, and Nurse is completely out of frame, uh, as is Amadio, but he's not the one who scored, now is he? And the guy just comes right up the left side, into the left face-off circle where Nurse should be, and guess what? There's nobody there. And he just walks right into the face-off dot, and Cody Cece, who's trying to guard the slot, he tries to engage a split second too late so he doesn't affect the shot. And honestly, David, I still think that that shot needs to be saved. You got it, it Zach Whitecloud shooting from the dot, uh, picking the short side on your goalie who's back deep in his net, and there's still a seam on his short side for that shot to beat him. Like. That, he's got to yeah, make that stop to me. Maybe, maybe it's an A shot. It's a great A shot, but he should stop. Maybe it's well. If I think if you think he should stop it, then it's a grade B shot. Well, I think well, I think they should stop eighty percent of grade A shots. Well, that's that true. was one of those ones. You know, well, you needed you need they needed a save. They did not get a save. Let's put yeah, it fair enough. They they did need a save. But that said, like he is an NHL caliber hockey player. You give any oh, yeah, a player that much time, like he had mm-hmm. all the time in the world to go mm-hmm. in there and pick his spot. That's yeah. dangerous. Like you can't have that even with the worst player, the worst shooter in the NHL. Uh-huh. If you give a guy that much time, those guys yeah. at the NHL level can pick a corner. So I, I think it might, instead of, I don't know what, what the proper terminology for nurse to yell at, at, at Fogel right. might've been the like, cover, maybe like yeah. cover me, like I'm going for it. Like, but I just think actually, yeah. I, I would love to be in the owner's video room where, where they describe, right. okay, here's what you should have done on that play. Maybe mm-hmm. they would describe it just like Dallas Aikens did. Like you, you got to communicate Darnell, if you're going to go, you got to yell cover or something. And then you, right. well, you got to get back. That's probably what it would be. And it's, it would be okay mm-hmm. then to get out of position like that. But um, yeah, I'm just left with the feeling like I've seen too many times, Bruce, where where he he has gone a wandering from his position because he's right. such a fine defender when he just keeps Let it simple. The game come to you, Let Darnell. You don't to have you, to Darnell. chase the guy right out of the zone. Just don't. Exactly. Less is more, as I wrote in a recent 
blog post last is more mad. We have been written that post every year for the last six years. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. It's like play watch some Nick Lidstrom, man. Like mm-hmm. go watch how that guy played defense. He was he just he didn't run around all over the place. He mm-hmm. wasn't chasing guys out over the blue line. Mm-hmm. He was holding his position because he knows where they score the goals from. They don't score the goals from out, out there. They score the goals from charging in unmolested and having a shot like, you know, where they can pick the corner. He figured that out and he just made sure they couldn't do that. Uh, just install one of those Nick Lidstrom uh, 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 five, 500 tetrahertz processors and it's all good. I mean, that guy, it's no, no fair comparing anybody to that guy. He just well, mate, you know, processed the game at such a high level. But, well, but yes, that that's true, what you want. It, that is the ideal. But offensively, he did at the high level. Defensively, I think a lot of defensemen actually, as they get older, start to process the game at a high level. A lot of them, I don't think mm-hmm. Lidstrom was unusual, probably unusual too in his defensive acumen. But you see lots of defensemen actually, like Ekholm, for instance. You know, mm-hmm. they just, they they start to to really figure it out. And, you know, they're not perfect necessarily. But... Um, to my eye, Ekholm had a tough game tonight. He but. did tonight, so it's a bad example using him tonight. But overall, before tonight, it's a, I think it's a pretty good example. Yes. And, and yeah. um, you know, he's just holding the fort. And he, he still makes mistakes too, mm-hmm. but it's not from being, you know, <laughs> go chase the, you know, the tennis ball kind of mistakes. Yeah, well, to my eye, the three best order defensemen on this night were uh, uh, Brett Kulak, Black. Vincent DeHarnay, and Philip Broberg. And the I top four it. all had a pretty tough time. They did. All right. Uh, bottom three we? was actually pretty good. So there's that. I mean, silver linings, folks. I mean, we're not going to give everybody a zero like one of our dear readers suggested on Twitter. With a couple of <laughs> expletive bombs on top of it. <laughs> oh, bad order fans were mad tonight, and I was mad. I was mad well, I I was actually resigned early. Like, nope, this is not a game we're going to win. It's a long <laughs> series. Last series we lost game three, bounced back. Last year we had a situation where Oilers won six to nothing and eight to two on consecutive games, and then they lost the next game four nothing. I mean, sometimes you just flip a switch, or both teams flip a switch, uh, or when they beat. Uh, San Jose Sharks in 2017, where they lost game one, and they won four of the last five. The game they lost was seven nothing. They just got completely destroyed in one of the games. But it's only one loss. Like this, this is kind of my go-to. And really bad losses. They made enough mistakes tonight to lose three or four games, and they only lost one. So let's move on. Vegas, Vegas responded to the challenge. Now it's Edmonton's turn to respond to that challenge. And I'm reasonably confident that you know it's two good teams like this. They're in, they're in a tough spot down two one, but they're not done. I mean, it's just they, they got beat done. tonight. Listen, now it's their is, turn to yeah. take the take the ball and play a lot better. And I can, we know it. This is not the Colorado Avalanche of last year, right? This is a team they can beat, and this is a team they should beat. Well, I think. I don't know. It's so, a good team, but but uh, Oilers need uh, their their top players performing at top levels, which I don't think they got tonight. And they need their top power play performing at its level, which they didn't really get a shot tonight until the game was in the bag. So, yeah. Yeah, but I appreciate, Bruce, your stoic uh, resolve there. I think it's uh, admirable. 
and um, you know, uh, in a, in an hour or two, I'll I'll compose myself and and get to that spot place myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, uh, but when we get to the numbers, I'll tell you why I'm a, I'm I am a little worried, more worried than I've been, been okay. throughout the playoffs. We'll get to that. So let's your number first of all. Oh yeah, a number. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, 39. Uh, which is the number of games that the Oilers have played since the last time some team held them to one goal. Wow. Can you believe it? 38 straight games, they scored two or more goals. So not only did they not get shut out, you know, they didn't get held to one goal for all that tremendous length of time. It was just after the long all-star and team break uh, at the beginning of February when they lost 2-1 in Philadelphia in a goaltender's duel between... uh, uh, Carter Hart and Stuart Skinner, and that was the last time. I mean, it's you got to go way back in the memory banks to even find that game if you can. And it didn't really stand out other than the Oilers couldn't, you know, it was just a defensive goaltender type struggle. But uh, not that this game was particularly that. It's just it's a rare thing for Edmonton to get held uh, below two, and I don't imagine it'll happen again anytime this series would be my bet. They haven't had a stinker game in a long time, mm-hmm. and um, I'm I you know teams that, that go far in the playoffs don't have stinker games in the playoffs very much, but we'll give them one, and uh, hopefully they'll bounce back. I mean, the Oilers are an interesting team. They um, they're used to spotting teams some goals and then finding a way to come back, and they just couldn't get it done tonight. And and I agree, it didn't look like it was going to happen tonight. Um, even when it was three to one, yeah. um, Vegas was just dominant um, through that stretch of play, and and I give them a lot of credit. I think they were embarrassed, and they um, came out and and showed the orders like you won't do that to us again. We're gonna we're gonna play super hard, and we're gonna be hungry. And my number, Bruce, is um, is the number that gives me concern in this series, and it's about the even strength dominance of the Vegas Golden Knights. There have been stretches in games, especially games one and three where they got on the four check and they started to force errors on the orders. This is what, uh-huh. uh, this is, you know, the orders have numbers, but just through effort and technique, um, they, they're forcing mistakes and they're, they're creating goals out of nothing. And they're creating five alarm chances, these 33% chances out of nothing. In the, um, in the LA Kings series at even strength, the orders had uh, 32 five alarm shots and the Kings had 22. So orders were right. clearly dominant. Like it's, it's, um, you know, they're getting, um, you know, out of five, five alarm shots at a game, they're getting three and LA is getting two of them. So it's a significant advantage right. for Edmonton. And um, in, in this series so far, it's the, the, um, at even strength, the orders have 11 uh, five alarm shots and Vegas has 21 at even strength, no, 11 to 20, so almost doubling them. Mm-hmm. That is a really bad trend. <laughs> that is really not good, and that is worrisome. The Oilers have got to, um, they're going to have to shake things up. I don't know what they're going to do. Like they, And I, I wonder how many of those 11 five-alarm shots have been from McDavid and Dreisaitl. Um, Probably a, a fair number of them. You can't. It's not working. What they're doing right now at even strength, they're going to have to have a major change here. They're going to have to figure this out. 
or they could come back and just with renewed effort, effort and vigor. But as you say, there's something the, the second line isn't isn't functional right now. Um, well, the third gotten, line is they've been getting creamed and shot metrics yeah, the whole time, really. Got to change it up. You can't have that. They can't have that line. So they're going to have to figure this out and get um, some different line combinations out there and um, at least saw off the five alarm shots next game at even strength or they will not win that game. So it was and, 21 to 11. That was 12 to 7 before tonight's game because it was 9 to 4 tonight for Vegas. So they, they've been holding the advantage throughout in, fi in five alarm shots. Correct. Um, so, yeah. of course, last game, Edmonton struck on the power play three times and they called off the dogs fairly early in, in that game. But, uh, well, the first game, Bruce, it was um, 7 to 3 at even strength for for Vegas, Vegas for five alarm shots then the second game it was five four. four yeah and this game nine to four so there's not been a game yet where the Oilers have had more of the most dangerous scoring chances at even strength so in terms of a trend that's worrisome in this series like last series mm -hmm. was Corpus Allo. they had to solve Corpus Allo. they had to they had to start beating that guy this is what they've got to get on top of. This is what they've got to surmount. And it won't be easy. This is a like a team-wide issue, obviously. Mm -hmm. Can they do it? I think they can do it. But we'll You're see. You've got to solve Aiden Hill too, David. He's played like 70 minutes in two games and hasn't given up a goal yet. He looked good he's got tonight. got a thousand save percentage against the Oilers. He, he looked okay. And, uh, you know, he was, he was solid. And uh, he got... Uh, on the other hand, this was going to be my bad thing. Uh... I'll sneak it in here. Laurent Brassois getting hurt. That was just kind of a heartbreaker. You know, this guy's former oil king, former oiler, finally getting his chance at the playoffs at age 30. And he played the first eight games, started the ninth, and then he uh, he got hurt and it did not look good when he went off. So I expect we'll be seeing Aiden Hill uh, on uh, uh, next game, Wednesday night. He had a 9.15 save percentage in 27 games. I don't. I'm surprised we didn't see Aiden Hill from the start start of the series. Actually, like, well, he's a pretty coming strong back from save an percentage too. I mean, their their goalies have been musical chairs because yeah, uh, Robert Lehner has been out all year with a malady of some sort, and uh, Lauren Prosois had double hip surgery last off season, so he came back and played in the minors, and then he got called up when when. Um, the young guy uh, Thompson, Logan Thompson, he got hurt, and he's still hurt. And Aiden Hill was getting games here and there. And when Logan Thompson went out, that's when LB got his shot. And now, looks like he's out again. So I mean, they've they've really had uh, uh, a tough tough run of uh, fortune with their with their netminders. I think they used five, and and Leonard never even got into a game. And he's the guy's biggest cap hit of the, of a lot of them. So. Uh, it's to their credit that their team was able to, you know, finish first with the chaos that was going on in the crease. But uh, very tough for for LB. And I will say this: when they panned to the Edmonton fans, many of them giving him a standing ovation as he left the ice, I was heartened. I thought, yeah, he deserves that from this city. So it didn't look good, eh? It looked like he no, it didn't. He, it didn't look good. It looked like he pulled a groin, or maybe it's one of his hips or something. Like it looked like, yeah, yeah all of those goalies, Bruce. Um, had really good save percentages. Uh, Thompson, 9.15. Hill, 9.15. Brassois, 9.27 in the regular season. The only one who didn't in 10 games was Jonathan Quick, 9.01.
right. save percentage. Oh, so. yeah, I even forgot about Jonathan Quick. Yeah, maybe he's the guy with the biggest cap hit. <laughs> <laughs> but they only pay half of it. But anyway, it, it's uh, um, it's it's been a, been a hard run for them, and they've been finding these insurance goalies. But for LB in particular, you know, like this is maybe the one shot that he would have gotten his career to take a big run at it. And to Maybe he's okay. We'll, well, let's hope because, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm rooting for the Oilers to win the series, obviously, but uh, I root for old players, former Oilers, former Oil Kings, players that I've come in contact with one way or another, you know, and he's one of those guys. He's all of those things. And so it's kind of painful to see him uh, leave without seeing it through. Well, Bruce, let's leave it there. Thanks for talking tonight. Thanks for listening, everyone. Let's get them in game four. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.